There are two kinds of smog in Delhi these days. One is a kind in the air around you. It affects visibility, causes accidents on the street, causes flights to get delayed or cancelled, leads to respiratory problems. And the other is a smog that prevents clear thinking. The smoke of misconceptions combines with the fog of bad ideas to lead to a smog in the mind that causes intellectual accidents. What are we to do about the smog? Welcome to The Seen and the Unseen, our weekly podcast on economics, politics and behavioral science. Please welcome your host, Amit Varma. Welcome to The Seen and the Unseen. I live in Mumbai and I feel a mix of sympathy and schadenfreude for my friends in Delhi. When they're not complaining about the government, they complain about the smog. Well, I wanted to dig a little deeper into the causes of this Delhi smog and what insights a little economic thinking could give me on it. So I've invited my friend and a frequent guest on the show Vivek Kaul. Vivek has written many books and he's a columnist for Equity Master for whom he wrote a newsletter with the title The Economic Cause of the Delhi Smog. That's exactly what I want to get to the heart of today. Vivek, welcome to the scene and the unseen. Thanks Amit for having me over. So tell me more about the root causes of uh, Delhi's smog. Okay, so that could take an entire show. So That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you see basically uh you know the rice uh, that is grown in punjab is uh, mechanically harvested and what that does is the harvesters cut and clean the rice from the paddy and leave behind the straws on the field now these straws are uh, 6 to 8 inches in height now okay uh, you know uh, when the rice harvesting season ends uh, the wheat season is about to start and the gap is 2 to 3 weeks so the farmers who have been uh, growing rice now need to grow wheat and the time period available is not much so they need to get rid of this straw very very quickly okay uh, obviously you know they could hire laborers and you know get them to cut the straw but that would involve spending money uh, uh, there are machines that are available you know which sort of take care of this straw and also uh, sort of plant the seeds to grow wheat Uh, but that also involves you know spending a lot of money so the farmers take the easiest way out which is they just light a match and they burn the straw and this straw is also in case my listeners are confused the straw is also referred to as stubble yeah it is uh, referred to as stubble as well yes so essentially uh, the, the core cause of delhi's pollution is farmers in punjab who are burning the stubble and not so much the vehicular traffic of uh, delhi per se um and you know the last time for example uh, arvind kejriwal did his whole odd even thing it had negligible impact on the air right. of delhi and i believe he's planning to do it again but that's just optics the root cause the problem that is, you have to solve is the stubble is this yes and you know what happens is uh, now obviously you know the listeners might uh, want to know as to why uh, nothing happens when wheat is harvested now the uh the stubble or the straw that wheat leaves behind uh is um, low on silica content okay or rather the stubble or the straw that rice leaves behind is high on silica content and hence that cannot be cut and uh, fed to animals okay uh, which the wheat straw can be uh, 
so hence the farmers really don't have any option uh, other than sort of uh, burning it i mean there are uh, you know i mean i've read news reports where uh, you know this straw can be used as an input into paper boards etc but then uh, you know paper boards are made all through the year and you know this straw is available only for a very limited uh, period so that doesn't leave the farmer with uh, many options and the interesting insight i got from reading your newsletter of equity master on the subject was that for punjab to grow rice is actually not a natural thing right. it's an unnatural set of circumstances right. that has uh, made of uh, punjab one of the leaders in growing right. rice yes so punjab is basically a semi arid region and you know to grow rice you need a lot of water okay uh so punjab in the first place should not be growing rice but punjab grows a lot of rice it's the third largest grower of uh, rice in india after west bengal and uttar pradesh uh in 2015 16 uh, it produced around 11.85 million tons of rice okay uh now what happens is that uh, the government of india procures rice and wheat primarily uh, from the farmers using uh, institutions like uh, the food corporation of india in order to distribute that rice and wheat through the public distribution system which uh, you know is essentially a chain of more than 5 lakh uh, ration shops all throughout the country now the funny bit is that uh, nearly 1/4 of the rice that the government of india procures all through the country is procured in punjab So in 2015-16 around 9.35 million tons of the 11.85 million tons which was produced uh, was procured by the government. So the Punjab farmer has a ready uh, sort of customer in the government of India. He doesn't have to sort of go looking around to sell the rice that he produces. So he doesn't have to worry about market dynamics. He, he knows that the rice will be sold. He knows at what price it will be sold. And the funny thing is that the you know Punjab as a state is a roti eating state. So almost all the rice that they produce is sold. Uh, very little gets consumed within the state. What is not bought by the government is bought by the private traders. घर की रोटी राइस बराबर घर की रोटी राइस बराबर the other thing that is uh, uh, you know that sort of uh, essentially ensures that the punjab farmer grows rice is the fact that electricity is free in punjab and uh, this ensures that the farmers can use uh, you know can pump a lot of water which is needed to produce uh, rice so uh, you know just to give you a sense of comparison you know when Punjab is the most productive state in India when it comes to uh, rice. Uh, it produces close to 39.74 quintals of rice per hectare. Okay, but this uh, calculation does not take the amount of water that it uses to produce that rice. So, in a state like West Bengal, you know, you require around two one six nine liters of water to produce one kg of rice. That's a lot of water. But in a state like Punjab, you require almost double the amount. It's around four thousand one hundred liters, and a little more than that. So, uh, what that tells you is that. Uh, there are two wrong incentives essentially which are encouraging the punjabi farmer to produce rice one is the fact that there is a ready customer in the government available you know buys rice and the fact that an unlimited amount of water can be pumped uh, because electricity is free okay 
so that ensures that punjab produces a lot of rice and once punjab produces a lot of uh, rice obviously uh, you know it is left with a lot of uh, stubble which the farmers burn so that they can quickly move towards uh, producing uh, wheat uh, over the years you know <clears throat> the government has done a few things here and there and there is a fine which uh, sort of uh, you know the farmers who burn uh, the stubble need to pay and this fine uh, is essentially uh, you know uh, it it starts at around uh, uh, rupees uh, 2500 on burning the after harvest rice straw on a land of up to 2 acres then there is 5000 for land measuring 2 to 5 acres 7000 fine for a land greater than 5 acres and less than 10 acres and beyond that there is a fine of 15000 rupees so you know the fine is so low that it essentially makes sense for the farmer to burn the stubble rather than hire labor and get the labor to cut that uh, stubble or straw so the fine does not work and even if the fine was higher it would just it be a rent seeking outlet you'd just give a bribe to the inspector yes and and more than that uh, you know i mean as i keep saying the capacity of governments in india to do anything is very very limited so uh, you know uh, there is uh, you know data from satellite imaging which shows satellite data shows that Uh, there were forty thousand five hundred ten fire incidents in Punjab alone between September twenty seventh and November ninth. Now you know forty thousand is a huge number. You know how many of those farmers you know could uh, the government go and fine? I mean it just doesn't make. So fines don't make any uh, sense. I mean they do not uh, dissuade the farmers from uh, burning. the straw in fact you know one of the one of, one, of, one of the news reports i read and uh, it had quoted a farmer and who summarized you know the situation very well it's you know he basically said that you know you just need to light one matchstick so you're essentially competing against that i mean it's as convenient as just lighting a matchstick and so in terms of co- both actual cost and opportunity cost you can't beat that that's, can't that's beat the quickest that. so and simplest yeah, way right. for them to okay so now the political economy of this is interesting that uh, these are we know the two things that the government does wrong that a uh, there are the msps for rice and it guarantees that it will procure so much so the procurement system is messed up and doesn't go uh, is not aligned with market signals and two there's a free uh, electricity i mean this is really uh, the delhi smog is actually an unseen effect of free power to farmers in punjab to a large extent uh, to to a large extent which is not an obvious connection now because farmers are both an important vote bank and a wealthy vote bank and and uh, you know farmers in punjab uh, i mean akali dal is a party of large farmers basically of so. large farmers and they can afford to buy other parties per se if if the need so requires so therefore politically the political will to actually do something about this no matter what you might say becomes a uh, sort of problematic and uh, much as i am not a fan of kejriwal it then makes me wonder that what is a poor guy to do he has got a problem in delhi which is caused by something that the farmers of punjab are doing and the farmers of punjab don't give a shit and they've effectively bought oh, i mean the punjab government has to cater to their wishes so what is a way out i mean uh, the way out is essentially uh, i mean and again this is a solution which uh, may not have political will but i i think this is uh, you know one of the solutions going around so you have to essentially disincentivize the farmers in punjab from growing as much rice as they do 
Now that can happen. How can that happen? That can happen by essentially ensuring that the Food Corporation of India sets up more procurement centers in states uh, where it's not buying a lot of rice. Now take the example of a state like West Bengal. Now West Bengal produces around 15.7. Rather, it produced in 2015-16 around 15.75 million tons of rice. Of that, only around 10% got procured. Okay. Now even though you know West Bengal is a rice eating state. Now, so what that does is, given that the government procures very little, a lot of that rice ends up uh, being sold at a price which is lower than the MSP. Now, this is also true about states like Bihar and Assam. So, obviously, you know, uh, you know, these are states, you know, Bihar, West Bengal, you know, they are in the Gangetic Plain. Uh, so, there is a lot of water going around to uh, grow rice. So, a more procurement needs to happen in these states and procurement needs to move out from uh, a state like Punjab okay number one uh, the second thing is uh, uh, you obviously they you know uh, once they don't grow rice they need to grow something else so one of the options that uh, you know an, a gentleman called Ajayvir Jakhar who is uh, you know, sort of, uh, you mean, you can call him an agriculture economist, made was that uh, the farmers in Punjab should be encouraged to grow maize. Now, which would happen only once the government sort of starts procuring maize. Now, the government of India right now only procures rice and wheat. And given the fact that our private, uh, you know, the private markets in agriculture are so screwed up that uh, expecting a solution from there is, you know, is, is very difficult. So, uh, so the procurement needs to move out uh, from Punjab and it needs to go to other states. And once, uh, you know, this, the procurement is spread around, even if there is, uh, you know, uh, the stubble is burnt, uh, it won't cause so much problem because the, 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 the production of rice would sort of, and procurement of rice would be spread over a larger area. Uh, the second part is, uh, you know, in states like, uh, Bihar and West Bengal, labor is still cheaper, you know, vis-a-vis a state like Punjab, which is a fairly rich state. So there, uh, you know, you can still hire people to sort of cut uh, the stubble and get rid of it. Uh, so this needs to uh, happen. Now, the, the question obviously is whether this will happen or not. And the answer is no, because, uh, you know, the, the rich farmers of Punjab have been used to the government buying their rice over the years. And, and this is essentially, again, one of the things that has happened because of the green revolution in the state. You know, when initially farmers started, uh, you know, um, Newer varieties of wheat were uh, sort of imported from Mexico and the farmers were essentially encouraged to grow that wheat. Uh, the government, in order to support those farmers, also started to buy that wheat. And over a period of time, uh, you know, it started to buy rice as well. So this is a system which has been in place for close to, uh, you know, four and a half to five decades. And it will not be very easy to unravel it. My my slightly uh, skeptical take on the solutions you mentioned, I mean, I know they're not your solutions, they're the solutions that are generally out there, but my skeptical take on those two solutions were that they're both coming from a sort of a central planning mindset. I mean, one being that you do more procurement in the Gangetic states like Bengal and so on, and the other being that uh, you also start procuring maize or whatever and try to change the incentives that way. Hmm. While I think that the whole central planning mindset rather is fundamentally 
flawed and has led to this problem in the first place which yes. will bring me to another question i'll, yes. I'll just so, elaborate so if, on if this if you just let me hmm. so i mean i'm not a supporter of central planning in any way but hmm. you know what happens amit when a system is in place you cannot just automatically you know let right. it go and move towards another system because that causes a even bigger uh, right because I mean, look at what demonetization did i mean it essentially demonetization came right out of the central planning mindset and that's why it was such a massive disaster right? yes but then you know it tried to attack a system which is in place the black money system you had you know these things of uh, you know unraveling that system overnight yeah, the idea it, it was it was an act of mass coercion that led to uh, it was an act of uh, mass coercion and uh, that led to less freedom Uh, in that short term that it happened whereas dismantling agricultural market slowly would actually remove coercion and would lead to more freedom my point is not that you do it over time my whole point is and my point also has a dilemma it's not a panacea and i'll get to that because that's sure, the sure. next question i'm going to ask you but i think what happens is that uh, not only are agricultural markets uh, controlled strongly by government and thus per- perverting the incentives for the farmers and leading to situations like this but because of that private markets also can't operate and information that spreads everywhere through market signals like prices don't otherwise get going but leave that aside even assume uh, let's for a moment have a thought experiment where all of this doesn't exist and we are a, a, a libertarian utopia and the market works perfectly and let's assume that even in that situation punjab happens not to be semi arid as it actually is but it has enough water and rice is something natural for it to grow and there's enough demand for it to grow all of it so assume that despite those perverted if those incentives don't exist but the conditions are different they're still growing that much rice and they're still burning the stubble and the externalities of that that is uh, the harsh side effects of that are being felt by the people of delhi hmm. uh what kind of solutions would then exist in that state of being i mean then you'll have to essentially uh penalize them for damaging the environment and this incentivizes them so something like uh, the famous carbon tax that yes. people talk about abroad and you then, have a you know you tax. basically have to ensure that the price of rice that is produced in punjab hmm. essentially takes the cost of destroying the environment into account as well once that is done automatically that rice will uh, you know become more expensive and you know in comparison to rice being produced in a state like west and the Mumbai. demand will go down and they'll have to shift to something else so the optimal solution is that you a figure out a penalty on burning stubble and find a way to with given state capacity find a way to enforce that so that it actually becomes unprofitable for the farmers to grow rice because their costs go up and they have to shift but to but that will never happen like essentially because you know political parties have elections to win so right which holds true for any solution i mean it it seems that poor kejriwal will keep tweeting about this but there there's nothing he can do at least you know not nothing in the near future uh, vivek thanks so much for coming on the show it was great having you thanks for having me amit If you enjoyed this show do head over to your nearest bookstore which is probably Amazon to pick up one of Vivek's books either the Easy Money trilogy or his latest book which I highly recommend India's Big Government you can follow him on Twitter at call_vivek you can follow me at amit verma a m i t v a r m a you can browse earlier episodes of the seen and the unseen at seenunseen.in thank you for listening
And hey, if you enjoy listening to the scene and the unseen every week, but you're worried about how much it affects your productivity, we have a solution for you. Another podcast. Every fortnight, Vishal Gondal tries to identify the tools and hacks employed by super achievers from different walks of life through in-depth conversations. Episodes are out every alternate Wednesday. Listen, learn. Excuse me, bhaiya. Excuse me. Bolle, madam. Menu me kya hai? Menu me seen and seen hai. Podcast hai. On course hai. Cyrus says hai. Made in India. Rediscovery project. Empowering series. Sex wax hai. IBM likes hai. Simplified hai. Keeping it queer hai. Things and destinations hai. My neighbor Zuckerberg hai. Or the fan garage hai. Aapko kya chahiye hai? Uh, ek baar repeat kar denge kya? Repeat repeat nahi karta hum. Aap jao ibmpodcast.com pe aur suno ye sab. Ya fir download karo unka app. Sab aapke ungliyon pe.